Peter, this is going to be a pretty dense discussion. I wouldn't even talk to you really when we got here. I mean, we had a different conversation, but I have to kind of open because a video dropped last night. I just showed you said video and I'm surprised I haven't been asked more questions about it, but I have to be honest. I missed my Twitch stream last week because I was stalking Jeff Jarrett and a lot of people would say, Effie, I thought he already beat you at Hammerstein and that's it. And uh, I, I I couldn't let it go, Peter. Uh, I couldn't let the embarrassment of that go. I mean, shit, I've got a Jedi Padawan braid right now because I don't think I'm the master I thought I was because of Jeff Jarrett. And so I took my ass up to Tennessee and I stalked him down and people are seeing the results of the recordings of that. And I, uh, I'll say this, Peter, and this is all I can say more about it. And I'm sorry I missed the stream and I missed it again this week and did it on Tuesday instead. And I did a Weird Tuesday stream last week where we watched a full opera. But, Jeff, I... What opera did you watch? We watched The Love of the Three Oranges. Are you familiar with this opera? No. Okay, here's the plot. It's the greatest. It's the greatest opera. We watched it on Twitch. This prince is so sad and sick, and nothing can cure him. And the jester says, well, laughter will cure him. And so nothing works. Nothing makes him laugh until this evil witch, Bethilda or whatever, shows up. And accidentally trips, and he can see her panties and her butt, and he laughs, and so he's cured, and then she curses him again, and he is now bound to loving three oranges that somehow turn into dead fair. It's a long thing. Either way, it's an interesting opera. Uh, I can't say the name. Someone wrote it. It's fantastic. Jeff Jarrett, I have planned Saturday. I'm in Los Angeles. I'm fighting for the tag team championships against the Briscoes. Bussy versus the Briscoes. Figure that the fuck out. But Sunday, I don't have anything planned, and I'm in San Francisco, and I know you've got frequent flyer miles, so show up. Let me see what you can do. You got a couple days' notice here. Karen will let you out of the house. You'll be allowed to go out. It's time to handle business. You can't keep ducking and dodging. You can't keep making demands. You got to show up. You got to deal with me. Now, Peter, what is going to go down in this episode is one of the most marvelous, trying, intense, emotional weekends of my life. Wherein throughout this, I will tell you everything, but I will also clearly tell you that the four pillars of this are built on the 12-hour test that I faced. Because over the course of this Dallas WrestleMania weekend, beginning at 1 p.m. Friday, at 1 p.m., 1 a.m., 1 p.m., and 1 a.m., I faced a test every single time on the hour after 12 hours. I don't know. You can say, okay, well, yeah, the 12 hour, blah, blah, blah. Within at least 30 minutes of that exact time, I was in the ring fighting for my life in very different ways. And uh, I also think that this weekend, while trying and very hard work was, was put in the whole time, I'm starting to do some legacy shit over here. And I'm starting to earn this shit, and uh, I'm reveling in the details of what we were able to accomplish. Now, there were too many coincidences this week, and I won't get into all of them, but I will tell you that the numbers 444 were in my face constantly, constantly 444s, on the clocks, on the venues, on the walls, 444 in the change, in the totals, 
Peter, you're doing a little research right here. We want to make sure we're correct. And I won't get into all of it. I mean, listen, we're we're not wizards over here necessarily, but sometimes there are reminders in the universe that that was my coffee. It's the angel number that signifies your inner wisdom has been pointing you in the right direction and there is an abundance of love in your life? There is so much love all over my life and my wisdom has pointed me in the right direction and I think you're going to understand that even more as we get through this. We went to Dallas and here's the thing, WrestleMania is in Dallas so there's a lot more wrestling fans in Dallas. That's why we go to Dallas. That's why we put wrestling shows on there because we like to be convenient to our fans. You know who else is convenient to our fans? No way. Get out of my face. Come on. Come on. We can't even, they wouldn't even believe it if we told them. It is what it is. You know what is what it is? Is uh, bringing convenience to the fans and bringing convenience to your ideas. And that's what To The Dome Designs does. To The Dome Designs are out there helping get their name off the ground and show off their unique vision for clothing, streetwear, and design. But let me tell you, that's not just about them. They're also creative minds that are going to help you put your designs into the world and into the hands of people that love them. They will put your creativity to the test. They will show you magic things you didn't think that were possible of any type. They want to be challenged. To The Dome Designs, 2TD Designs, that's the number two, TD Designs. They're a presenting sponsor. I'll do a better read in a minute, but we got to get down to business. We got to get into the business. Now, flight delayed a little bit. No big deal. We're fine. I got into Dallas early, particularly because I wanted to be very early. And when I got to the airport, uh, I got my first taste of some of the weirdness that would be ahead. Because as I was waiting for Manders to show up in his big pickup truck from Iowa, getting down to Texas, uh, a private car pulled up next to me and I want to I want to be honored by this because the car name on the front of this limousine service car said Scott Recksteiner now you don't do you know who Scott Recksteiner is no well it's Scott Steiner okay and Scott Steiner is one half of the Steiners are being inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame this year and uh his nephew Braun Breaker is the NXT champion so they're kind of a a wrestling legacy family that's, and that's pretty common in wrestling. It right? is. It is. Because I think, you know, when you see how much fun your dad's having, of course you want to do it too. You know what I mean? And the, the driver opened the window and said, are you Scott? <laughs> and I'm thinking, do I look a little jacked? I have blonde hair and I look a little jacked. This guy probably doesn't know who Scott Recksteiner is. He just drives the car. And I had to say, no, I'm not. And let the car pull forward. But for a moment there, I was like, oh, my God, I look like a star if he's going to ask me. Clearly, like, there's at least a chance in his heart that I'm a star. We have to point out Steve Manders real quick, though, because Manders... Wait, his name's Steve? Yeah, well, he's the one they call Manders. But his name's Steve Manders, yeah. Uh, he picked me up first at the airport, and he stayed with me with a few other people, like Poyo Del Mar, Dark Sheik. Uh, I think Shea Purser stayed there some of the time, a few other people... But this man made sure I was everywhere I needed to be. He kept my head on my shoulders. He kept me completely together. It was a really magic time. And from the moment we got there, like we were on the same page. We were ready to take on Texas. And to have a real American uh, cowboy taking care of me while I'm in Texas, that's kind of, it's magical. And this is Wednesday night, mind you. So Monday, you know, I'm stalking Jeff Jarrett. I got here Wednesday night pretty late. And we had to go see the boys. So 
I went and said hey to the SGC. Jimmy Lloyd was there too. I mean, he's pretty much SGC at this point. Jimmy Lloyd, he's the he's a genius. He's a mastermind. I'll never I'll never be able to put enough good words around Jimmy Lloyd. Uh, but it is what it is. Uh, it, we had a little time. We did our thing. But I said to myself, look, I am not going to waste my brain and my breath before anything happens. And the beauty of getting there as early as I did, and a lot of people had different you know, schedules where they were kind of here or there, here or there. Guess what? My schedule allowed me to be completely wide open on that Thursday, which meant that I could literally just show up and go watch wrestling. How fantastic is that? I just got to experience the shows. How often does that happen for you that you get to like see something that you're not on? Uh, it's not very often. And I, I mean, if I'm at a show, I'm probably watching most of the show, right. but I'm also on the show. So it's a different experience to where like, I'm not bringing my gear out. I'm not dress, dressing for wrestling. I'm not trying to dress for comfort and quick change. I was looking sexy out there, Peter. I was in them and I wore the cowboy boots for a reason. Cause I knew this video was going to be going out. So I'm in cowboy boots and black denims with a, and here's what the crop top said, queer and tired. I love that shirt. The immediacy of my mood to that shirt, queer and tired. It has to be, it has to be, uh, told right away, but here's the PS de resistance with my blonde hair sticking out. I wore my flaming skulls Guy Fieri esque shirt. And that, I think, made all the difference in the world because everyone said, whether they knew I was F or not, they said, what a cool shirt. And I said, yeah, I searched cool shirt on Amazon and it came up, which is true. I did search cool shirt on Amazon and cool shirt, flaming skulls came up. I bought a blue one and a pink one or a blue one and an orange one. What color is fire? Uh, orange, yellow, and red. All right. Well, not pink. So close enough. But during these shows, the first little tidbit of that Jeff Jarrett video was shown, and I'm not, you know, obvious at all in this video. It's very low key. You saw the first one. And just to kind of see the reaction of people still hating that Jeff Jarrett was coming around, it made me happy because he's tried to be this badass, this outlaw. I'm going to stop talking about Jeff Jarrett. This guy is under my skin. I, people are going to think I'm obsessed with him because I stalked him and because I <laughs> tried to interrupt his family's dinner and because. I don't know. There's a lot going on in my mind over him. Uh, Jeff Jarrett, I'm going to kick your ass, I hope. Uh, this is, he's, he's in my brain, dude. He's swimming in my brain. It's not good. What do I do, Peter? It's, I'm just thinking about when you finally share the photo that you shared with me. People are going to think you've lost your mind. Uh, Peter, that's one, of the, that's one of the reasons I keep thinking I have to write a memoir after the fact. Because there's so much people need to know. And there's so much that they'll never know until it's all said and done. And it's all just marvelous information out there. It's beautiful. I have to go and point at one of my soul sister's finer moments. Allie Catch had a match against Mickey James. And Mickey James, people you know, know her from TNA, Hardcore Country. She actually also, real fact, won a Native American Grammy Award for one of her songs. Uh, she is part Native American, and she is also an award-winning songwriter and winner. And she's also one of the hottest women on the planet and one of the most incredible professional wrestlers. And this was Allie's dream match not to, like, prove herself as a wrestler. Like, she was like, I've been there, done that. This was to, like, have her dream match. And Allie had plenty of dream matches, and we'll get to that this weekend. But this one in particular, I got to go out to the ring with her. 
and feel that energy. And she did this Gaga entrance that was just like unbelievable. And she took off her flower panties and threw them on me. And I straight up just like passed out on the ground. And that was my first public appearance at all of the collective was like just me backstage in the boots. She was like, you're coming out with me, right? And I was like, hell yeah, girl, let's go. And I went out there and I had the panties thrown on me. I don't know where the panties are, people. I don't know where they went. She should sell them. I should have kept them and sold them. It was a marvelous match. Go watch Ali Catch versus Mickey James. It was so sick. We got to watch all the shows that night. And I did watch Bloodsport that day. And obviously, with my impending matches I had with Speedball Mike Bailey and Minoru Suzuki, they were both on that show. And they were both in a very different environment that I would allow them to be in, where there are no ropes. This is full combat KO or tap out. This is real grappling, so they say. And I got to see uh, Chris Dickinson defeat Minoru Suzuki. It's kind of like, wait wait a second, there's a crack in the armor here. This man is supposed to be the unbeatable giant. And I didn't even see what happened with Speedball because I couldn't stop thinking about those feet. And we'll get to those feet. Now, afterwards, iced coffee is the only thing keeping me alive. If you saw me this weekend, it's marvelous that I'm here right now. It is, like, it doesn't even make sense. I should be dead, Peter. I should be dead. I slept a little bit. Now, how much over the I'm, whole weekend? Listen, this is the thing. 444, you appeared a few times a little late in the evening, if you will. It wasn't much sleep, and uh, I knew I had to start early Friday. So I probably, I mean, I will say I got three hours of sleep before Friday, but okay. Zicky Dice's show was starting at 1 p.m. live on the dot. And I've been doing this thing, Peter, okay? It's not very nice. I, I think we talked about it last week, but the Crunchwrap Supreme. No. Did I not tell you about the Crunchwrap no. Supreme? All right. So I've been doing this thing where it's a mental intimidation thing. And I'm like pretty confident in myself as a wrestler to where that I think I can wrestle at any time. Like I don't need to be in prime focus. I don't need to be in prime shape. Lucy's giving me a beat back here. I love it. Uh, I don't need to be prepared 100%. I don't need to be in the zone. I'm always ready to wrestle. And so as a mind game, not just to my opponents, but to just sort of everyone around me, I'll kind of eat the worst thing possible right before a match or like when we're putting a match together. So at the PWX X 16, I ate a full crunch wrap Supreme before match one went out while it was going. And I think Wheeler Yuta called me very bold. And I said, I am very bold. Uh, and this time I showed up to Ziggy Dice's show with a full Whataburger cinnamon roll, just glistening and icing. And, you know, I won't go too behind the scenes on this, but I want to say that I think Speedball Mike Bailey is one of the greatest wrestlers in the entire planet. I think he's one of the most fantastic wrestlers there is. But I do think that uh, we have different thoughts about what wrestling is and can be. And we, when you mesh with a person like that who has the knowledge and the skill and uh, such a breadth of like real technical acumen that when I take them into my world a little bit, it can be, it can be a little too wild for some people. But... Then you kind of remember, and people may not know this, Mike Bailey did a very long stint in DDT in Japan, which is some of the craziest wrestling in the world that like Don Shugodino is, you know, one of the wrestlers who does a lot of weirdo gay shit. And he sort of, he sort of made his way out there. There's a lot of strange stuff over at DDT. And so we kind of, I leaned him into that position, but let's get to the real fact of it. People, Mike Bailey had 12 or 13 matches this weekend. 
Effie oh only my had God. four. 12 or 13. 12 I swear or 13. To you. I swear to you. The man took that many matches on. One of his matches was voted match of the night, and he was awarded an additional $2,500. Not at an event I was on, or we would have won that Good money. Good for him. Good for him. Him and Bandito. Two, Sounds like he worked two for Two of the it. best. Holy yeah, shit. I mean, he worked for it. But here's the facts, folks, and we've said it here. Mike Bailey does not wear shoes when he wrestles, or socks, or protective coverings other than his kick pads. His toes are out in the open. And... While he may have been kicking my ass severely, and you can go back and watch the footage, I had my own little runs there. The fact remains that at the end of that match, I held his feet down, and I got every single toe in my mouth, and I got the whole bit of that foot into my mouth, and people say, oh, the pleasure, the pleasure, the pleasure. You're right. He did accidentally tap because of the pleasure. But let me be clear. He knew that if it went any longer, and I decided I didn't want to suck anymore on the foot, that I wanted to clamp on the foot, he wouldn't have been able to have any more matches probably for the rest of his entire life because Effie would have bit those toes all the way off and had a scrumptious little meal and he would have had no toes to stand on. He would have had to realign and readjust in a, in a way. But he definitely wouldn't have made any more money that weekend and I saw him have plenty more matches after that. So really, I'll take the thanks in any way you want to give it. I let Mike Bailey continue his career. And I let the people see the magic of Mike Bailey as he continued having matches with Cole Radrick and Jordan Oliver and other famed people like Davey Richards, I think he had a match with. So figure that out. It was incredible. Now, the Zicky show was on Twitch, and so it was in a different building, and I got to spend a little time at the WrestleCon, which there's kind of major events going on all over town. What do you got, Peter? What did it taste like? I'm going to say this. For a man that is barefoot in every match... Those are some of the cleanest feet I've ever had in my mouth. Did you just spit take on that? I'm talking soft, no calluses. I wouldn't, I wouldn't believe it if I told you. There's some of the, they're very clean. He's, he's a responsible foot guy. He's a responsible, he's taking care of his feet. It's beautiful to see every single toe fit in my mouth. Now, while I'm at WrestleCon, I'm almost trying to distract myself from the impending doom of Minoru Suzuki attempting to end my life. And so I go upstairs at WrestleCon and kind of steal a table. You're supposed to like buy these tables, I think. I just set up a table in the hallway. And here's, I'll tell you, I had Lacey with me the whole time. Lacey was my uh, de facto merchandise assistant, helped me at every single show. Incredible, magical. Shout out to Brainbuster as well, uh, their partner. It was, it was sick. It was beautiful. They saved my life this weekend by handling all of my merch and handling everything and letting me wander around like a wild man. I wouldn't have made as much money if I didn't have someone focusing me in there. So Lacey, God bless you. Now at WrestleCon though, this is, I had this moment where if you had described it to me in detail eight years ago when I started doing this, I would have said, stop fucking with me. But here's what happened. This is real. I set my table and I wander into the main hall of WrestleCon I see someone waving at me, and it's Amy Dumas, a.k.a. Lita, and I say, hey, and we talk for a minute, me and Lita, and then I walk over, and I see uh, Ricky Morton with Tommy Rich. Now, you may not recognize all these names, but Ricky Morton obviously rings a bell. Ricky Morton then proceeds to kiss me on the lips in front of Tommy Rich and go, I told you I love Effie. I told you I love him everywhere. I'll show the world. 
magic moment. I continue walking. I see Missy Hyatt, who's going to be managing Chris Dickinson that night against Zach Cardona. Zach Cardona? Matt Cardona? Why do I keep I calling like him Zach that? Zach Cardona. It sounds more fun like a Disney character. Uh, Which is his favorite. And she actually, well, yeah, it is. Buzz Lightyear for life. She was my manager in like 2015 or 16 for six months while I was the NWA Southeastern heavyweight champion in Southern Georgia. And we had a run together where she was like, holy shit, heavyweight. The, right like you saw a picture God. of me earlier and you said is this actually you what so was that the moment where he told you that you're ripped yeah that's amazing that there's an actual photo he saw the that. picture of me and fandango together at the fandango nxt meet and greet from eight years ago which apparently allegedly apparently is the same wrestlemania that was the last for cody and our reuniting at mania was the was the debut of cody at mania so me fandango and uh old cody have a weird time space relationship that i'm over it i'm over it me and fandango big moment though you saw how jacked i was we'll get more into fandango because what a fucking marvelous human Okay, we can't get there yet. We have so much to go. So then I see Missy Hyatt over here in this corner. We talk again. We're reuniting. I love her. And then I see Danhausen, the the legend himself, Danhausen. Now here's the problem. Danhausen has to do things like charge for pictures because there's such an exorbitant stem that everyone wants to be a part of it. Everyone wants to get on top of him. If he didn't, he would be suffocated by human beings. If he didn't just set a little bit of a price point. But people kept trying to steal pictures of Danhausen. Don't do that. I did it though. And that's not the only thing I stole at WrestleCon. Now, I'm just wandering the halls and I'm, listen, I feel like the big princess in the room because I can just do anything I want. I don't know what to do. I'm hugging everybody. Blow me a kiss. Hey, EC3, I'm controlling my narrative. What are we doing? I go back downstairs because I forgot to get my stuff out of the locker room and I haven't changed yet. And this is <laughs> ill-advised because we were sharing a locker room and the next show to come up was the New Japan show. So as I try to enter the locker room, it's all the New Japan stars in here getting ready for their show. And who do I spy from the corner of my eye but that motherfucker Minoru Suzuki. So let me be clear. This is exactly how it went down. I go to the corner where my bag is real fast, and I change as quickly as I can. I then, and this is, Peter, this is where I could get in trouble. I then steal a bunch of the Chipotle catering with my bag, and I start trying to leave the room. And then he saw me. And I said, guess I'll see you later, man. And got the fuck out of that room with the free catering, with the bag, and with my spirit still intact. And I definitely was not supposed to be in that room at all. And I was like, what What a blessing. And they were like, where'd you get Chipotle? And I was like, I think I stole it from Minoru Suzuki. I hope they have enough food for the rest of the evening. It was very scary, but I also was like kind of living in fantasy land at this point, Peter. And here you stole Chipotle from your opponent before facing him in the ring. That's really funny. People thought I was hardcore in the match, and we'll get to that, but I'm I'm a crazy motherfucker, Peter, and I don't know what to tell you. Here's how crazy I also am. I found someone's credit card on the floor there, and I spent 20 minutes trying to return it to hotel staff for somebody to get it to him. So I hope you got your credit card back. I hope nobody messed with it. I got it to the high spot staff who were there. They seem like the most responsible. Hope you got your card back. Now, Peter, this is where I'm going to make a big diva point here. And this is a factual point, but there's really no reason for me to bring it up other than to sound really cool. In the city of Dallas, I would make a bet of $1,000 that the top four faces seen in public were as follows. 
by quantity in public. Brock Lesnar, Roman Reigns. Who's the th- who's the third one? Stone Cold Steve Austin, of course. Oh hell yeah! And Effie, and why? Because Effie on Friday was the cover boy for the Dallas Voice magazine, one of the largest LGBTQ magazines in Dallas. And when I tell you, and y'all can confirm this if you want, on every fucking street corner was me in my sexy-ass pink cowboy hat and jacket, flexed up and posing with the word pride on it. Everybody in the damn city was seeing me everywhere. And now put a pin in that, because we'll get back to it for later. But I mean, I'm all over the place in this town and I'm seeing their faces everywhere, but then I'm seeing my face pop up everywhere too. And it's sickening. Yeah. It's on a magazine. It's smaller than the billboard. I get it. But by quantity, I was there. I was right there with them. Okay. Now I'm still boating my death here and it's, it's, uh, it's a little nerve wracking. And so during this time, I'm thinking to myself, Well, Minoru Suzuki has two more matches, and he's going to go work at Ring of Honor, too, which he won a belt over there uh, in his time. So at this point, I think he's worked four matches in this day, or I am the fourth match. And so I think to myself, well, fuck him. I'm not just going to sit around and wait to get my ass kicked. I'm going to do something with it. So I went and did commentary on a No Ring Deathmatch show that was down the road from our venue. And boy, when I tell you, the homosexuals, we are out here taking over everything, Peter. I'm looking at a lot of people that were going to end up being on my card the next day that were booked out here doing deathmatch the night before. And I'm going, have I set a bad precedent? Now this quote I'm about to tell you has not, it doesn't come up until Sunday when we have a beautiful day off. And it was a lovely day with the queer world order uh, plus Manders. And we'll get into that. But I said to Dark Sheik at one point, I said, Sheik, I sometimes worry if my lack of needing standards of safety or comfort in my life is uh, becoming an indirect danger to those around me. And sometimes when I'm looking at these stars who are coming up and I'm going, you know, I was hitting tubes and gussets and doing horrible deathmatch shit and staying up too late and then hitting a show the next morning and I'm watching the next generation doing it and I'm going, maybe we're setting a bad precedent here. Maybe uh, maybe we should try for a little bit of a standard in the way that we'd work. But either way, that shit was sickening. It was badass. Everybody put in the work. Pero and Taya Valkyrie had a fucking war, and Pero scares the shit out of me. But at this point, obviously, Peter, my voice is wearing thin, and we will get to the communication point. But by the next morning, my voice was, it was gone forever, and it's coming back a little bit here, enough for us to speak better than I think it would have been yesterday, but it's um, it was destined to go at some point. And obviously with two and a half, three hours of commentary that I did, it was certainly going to be done. Now, this is where we hit the, the violent middle point of our encounter here. And I have my match with Minoru Suzuki. Now, there's going to be a lot of questions about this match, and there's a lot of things that I'll never say out loud, but I will say this. There's the big question people ask me is, uh, was it was it difficult because he doesn't speak English? No. He speaks wrestling. And so did the rest of my opponents. It is the universal language that is so magical. And when we got in that ring, I think 
Minoru Suzuki figured it out. And it doesn't, it doesn't work coming from my mouth, and I'm figuring that out. They have to learn on their own, Peter, and I've yelled this from the rooftops that Effie isn't necessarily an opponent. It's more of a drug you kind of have to take and get through. It's more of a catharsis you have to face. It's more of a mirror in a funhouse that forces you down a weird path. And because of that, I don't know if Minoru Suzuki, because of how many matches he had and, and still ahead of him had, uh, what kind of mindset he was in. But once he got in the ring with me and felt the energy in the room and kind of figured out what was really going on, I think he had more fun during our match than he did the rest of that weekend. And there were a lot of violent moments. I'm not denying that. Violence everywhere. I choked the man. I beat the man. I slapped the man. And he did the same right back to me. And he set me up just as much. But I did something that I've seen uh, almost never done. And I won in a different way that night, Peter. Now, did I get dropped on my head and pinned for a three count against Minoru Suzuki? Yeah, I fucking did. But did I kiss that old murder grandpa right on the mouth? Did I give him a big smackaroonie right on his lips? I most certainly did. And I heard from not one, but multiple people that they could, they don't know if they would call it selling. But he sold that kiss more than he sold about anything else that entire weekend. And folks, if that's not an accomplishment, I don't know what is. I loosened that old man up. I took him on a journey. I got my ass kicked and I tried to give him the heat. And folks, he left with a beautiful kiss on the lips. And I had another conversation with a bit of an executive that confirmed my, that confirmed my soul's belief that Minoru Suzuki might have actually had a pretty good time kicking Effie's ass. And uh, Effie, while still very sore today, and I visited two separate chiropractors already this week, I feel very complete in the match that I had, and I am very excited that I got to have those moments. And I hope that we can watch the match back in full together, and you'll get to see that. Oh, that would be lovely. I think it'll be intense and fun. Uh, Living it was a fucking dream come true, and it was magic. Now, after this, I said to myself, I really can't do this. I can't stay up all night. It's I'm losing my mind. I can barely put sentences together. So just as soon as I thought I had gotten my rest, we were there. It was time for the big moment, Effie's uh, big gay brunch. And it was, Peter, so gay. I got there early, and the lovely thing about working with uh, our community is that we are very good at taking directions and we're also good at knowing like when to put our own spin on it and so I can sort of have these open-ended meetings that are like hey you know what you need to do make it happen make sure my match with Pimpinella doesn't get cut off now of course I there's a secondary Effie character to running a show that you sort of get to wink and nod at and play and so of course I'm like always up in arms backstage and yelling about stick to your times and do this and do that but it's sort of a played up let's stay on the track thing but I also once again my voice was completely gone by the time that show started it was we were cooked so it's just me going come on sing to your times everyone listen stick to your times because I can't get words out of my freaking mouth. And so there's this comical nature of like, is Effie frustrated? And it's like, no, this is a silly bit, I'm pretty sure. And it's a 50-50, we'll be honest. Luckily, though, everybody hit their stride. Everybody made it happen. It was a beautiful show from top to bottom. So gay from top to bottom. And when it came down to my main event match, which I'm always hesitant to main event, Peter, but it's my show. I'm on it. It would be weird if I didn't in some instances. Pimpinella Escarlata, without a 
word of English between us. We put on a spectacular main event, and I don't want to give away any secrets here, but I do want to say this about Pimpinella, who we had a wild match. My, I was bit on the crotch. My ass was bit. There was kicks in the ref. It was crazy. It was a crazy match. There was dancing music, psycho stuff, weirdo stuff. Pimpinella pinned me, but before that happened, someone pulled me aside who was very familiar with Lucha history and, and the Lucha world, and they said... Pimpinella took took down the shoulders of their outfit. I said, yeah. Pimpinella showed you their chest. And I said, yeah. And they said, that never happens with Pimpinella unless Pimpinella is really feeling it. And we went back and forth, chopping the hell out of each other, me and this magical, exotical legend. And I didn't even realize I was in a historic moment, but I was told there's importance to this. Pimpinella must have respect for you or must love what you are doing to allow this to happen. And it was a marvelous feeling to learn that. And the reaction to Pimpinella being there and the most, I mean, what a fun time in the ring I had with Pimpinella. It was just no holes barred, wild style, crazy, a little lucha, a little comedy, a little gay, a little fun. And in the end, the nut shot in the roll up, uh, Pimpinella took the victory. Everybody went home so happy. I got to spend a little bit of the day at this point sort of wandering and doing and resting. And I actually took like a few hour nap because I didn't have to wrestle again until midnight. And I got to be honest, Peter, these schedules are great for making money because you're doing a lot in a few days of match, 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 match. So of course, I'll take the midnight match. And after my show, I mean, just, I was emotionally so exhausted. I mean, I'm, I'm hugging and taking pictures with everyone there. I love you all. And I'm so glad and it's incredible support and it's marvelous to see this many people at the brunch, but from a human perspective, uh, it does wear you out a bit. I think at one point, you know, Manders, we had beautiful breakfasts together and we would talk. And at one point, I think I just had to say to Manders, um, you know, he said, are you good? I said, Manders, I am a spirit bound in a meat suit and I have pushed the meat to its limit and I am now frustrated by the lack of the meat's ability to handle what I need it to handle. But yes, no, I'm fine. And just that weird, like, sort of make-believe drama of that is... It's fun to live in, but it's also true of like, I was at a point of deep exhaustion. I went and ate Jack in the Box. Pollo Del Mar, God bless her, took us out and we ate food together. She had hosted the show that morning. Now, Pollo. What is Jack in the Box in 2022 like? Mini tacos, churros, and Diet Coke. That's all I got. That's all I can tell you. I know they have other sandwiches too. They fry the the mini tacos and mini churros and they're just, it's marvelous. The original. Jack in the Box tacos are some of the best food on the market. The greasiest little fried things. They fry the lettuce in it too. It's strange. Very odd, but it's addictive. There's an addictive flavor to it, I got to tell you. So I rest in the car. I take a little napski. I rest up because ahead of me at midnight is going to be the most difficult test of all. Uh, on the Effie Does Smackdown tour, which rides into town, I'm going to be fighting one third of Team Angle. Uh, Charlie Haas, and I don't have to get into much detail here, but to tell you, this was physical, this was really tough, this did not go very long, this was uh, the battle for my life, and at this point, my body was so destroyed that I was doing anything I could to get a victory and get the fuck out of there, and I'll tell you what, I figured it out somehow and I made it happen, but I do say this, and I say this with some caution, When you come with Effie to the ring, 
be ready to come into Effie's world. Be ready to come into my uh, fantasy of wrestling. Because I'm building an empire over here of people who haven't given a fuck about what we've done before. And some that do and will give a fuck about what we've done before. But there's more of a magic when you trust Effie on the process. And I think that uh, throughout the process of this weekend, by sucking some toes and kissing an old man and getting my dick bitten by an Exotico legend and getting a three-count victory over part of Team Angle and proving, proving my grappling fortitude that I uh, showed that Effie could exist in any situation. And listen, Effie is not someone who's reaching for your preconceived goals in wrestling. I'm, I'm not going for a contract or trying to work somewhere or trying to be a part of someone's team. I am, I am a team in myself, and I'm really happy with GCW Wrestling this weekend. I guess it's not GCW Wrestling, Game Changer Wrestling this weekend. We really put together and put magic there. But also, you know, it's Effie's a free spirit out here. I'm roaming. I'm, I'm wild. I love that GCW gives me that place that I can do this crazy stuff, that I can put these shows on. I love seeing how many of our wild LGBTQIA brothers and sisters are out here just thriving in it. We had people from Australia, Silvio Milano. We had people from Wales, Shea Purser, Spain, Carlos Romo, Mexico, Piminela Escarlata, Enrico Gonzalez. It was incredible. It was magical. It was all the things I need wrestling to be. And look, there's a lot of variety. There's a lot of competition in wrestling. And this is the magic here. By Sunday, I didn't have anything to do, Peter. And I had a full day to myself. And we had the opportunity to go to WrestleMania. And I actually at one point, ended up taking Steve Manders down there because he's good friends with uh, George Kittle, uh, NFL player, and they were in primetime seats watching the show, watching the moments. I got him down there, and a bunch of my friends went down there too. A lot of the GCW crew, they all went to the show, and I kind of knew they would be in a VIP sitch, and I was tired, and I couldn't get Pollo Del Mar in, so... Me and Pollo and Dark Sheik and Manders until I took him to the place, we just took in Dallas on our own. And within a two-block timing, and this is like, I told you, there's too much coincidence this whole week. One, one of the one of the people I know at Twitch drives by us on the street as we're just casually taking in Dallas and says, I just passed your group on the street and you guys look like you freaking belong here in Dallas. And not only that, but I'm passing myself again on the road in these magazine bins out for everyone to see the Dallas voice. And then we passed the daily ooze studios right as Roman, who is the daily ooze creator is walking into the building happenstance and chance who knew we'd even be in that part of town. There were too many weird, wonderful timing moments, but we did try to go to the museum. We ate at the museum gift shop. And then, uh, we were promptly asked to leave because we couldn't have water bottles or drinks in there. So we were like, damn, are we too hardcore for the museum? But we left and it was fine because in the end, I took Manders to WrestleMania. Everyone chilled at the hotel. We stayed at a beautiful private hotel. Uh, it's like a boutique. Here's what's crazy. I get to the boutique hotel and I'm riding high at this point. I'm just chilling. Guess who else was staying at the hotel with us? Lotto. Music superstar Lotto, who is performing down the street. Now, my partner is a huge Lotto fan. And at the front desk, I uh, I said, oh, are you with the Lotto tour? I saw one of the managers there. And he said, how did you know? I said, you're wearing the tag. I said, we're in town for wrestling. We talked. They take their guard down when they know you're a wrestling person a little bit. You know what I mean? Like, you're, we're at least in the tour life. We're both tour people. Yes, yes. Big. She did the, the fantasy cover, Mariah Carey. And then she did, uh, I think it's called Bitch From The South, one of the greatest, it's incredible, magic track. 
Um, it was very cool to see that we were sort of intersecting in our weird tour lives. And Poyo actually ran into Lotto outside. I was like, I was going to give her a space to do her thing. We, we took in the day. We got to be our own beautiful Sunday stars. We went to the museum and saw what we could. I got to meet such a plethora of people in wrestling this weekend. I got to spend time with people I already knew. I got to explore Dallas. I got to be a cover boy. I mean, right outside of the museum, I even signed a couple copies of that magazine because I ran into it. And I was like, go get them. And I put up a video. I said, go get the copies of the magazine because when else in my life am I going to get to sign copies of a magazine I'm on outside of a museum? Probably in the few years, you know, I had a few times, but this is a good start and this is a fun place to be in. And I felt like I, I felt like Effie did Dallas. Effie fully did Dallas, right? It was magic. Uh, your flag or your fan showed up in yes. uh, WrestleMania. Okay, so, and this is just like the icing on the little cake topper, you know, of here I am watching this mania moment where Vince McMahon is coming out, whatever, and I'm looking in the front and they've got that full wrestling is gay fan fully fanned out right on hard cam in HD. You can read it. And if you zoom in, you can read, keep it, make it gayer. Wrestling is gay. Make it gayer. We're, we're, uh, we're showing up everywhere. These fans were everywhere this weekend. And obviously it's a fantastic visibility piece, fantastic visibility piece, but it's also this, uh, it's a very cool sort of community builder where like people can look around and it's like, if you see those fans out there, if you see the wrestling is gay shirts, if you see that stuff, you kind of have a better safety net of feeling like, all right, maybe I'm not going to get treated like shit at this event. So I hope people will keep wearing their stuff and showing their fans where they can and being a part of that. Listen, it's EFFY. The FY is fuck you. So I love the fuck you spirit of we're going to show everybody how gay wrestling is and we're being accepted. We're in here. Shout out, uh, Rhea Riley, what's her name? Rhea Ripley, Rhea Ripley and Liv Morgan. They did like a full BDS, BDSM, like WrestleMania leather, pleather girl entrance. It was very gay. They didn't say it was gay out loud, but it was gay. You know what I mean, Peter? So we're getting there is what I'm saying. Like we're further every day and it feels magical. Uh, and, you know, I collapsed when I got home. I was done. I was, it was a cooked moment. Did I say the thing? I didn't say the thing about the sauna in here, did I? No, you didn't. I'm going to say it now, Peter, because right before I came over here, and this is like, I'm just, where I'm getting to now is you start to get recognized more and it feels weird. You start to get seen places. It feels weird, but you never want to deny someone who has interest in you the time with you if it's easy for you to do. And I saw so many people this weekend. I spent so much time with people this weekend. Uh, I got recognized in the sauna today, Peter. And I know that sounds weird. It sounds very weird, I'm certain. But at any other moment in my life, I don't know, maybe I would have thought it was stranger, but I accepted it and I loved it. And we talked about wrestling in the sauna. I got my heart rate up and I was sweating. I was doing my thing. So you know what? If you see me out in public, let me know. Say what's up. Don't hold back. Even if I'm in the sauna sweating, I give Effie to you. Let's have fun. Tell me hello, but also, and this is, you know, just give me some, give me some money. Just put it in my hands. It's like a little tip on the side, you know, if we're going to have fun, you want to say, Hey, at the Kroger, give me $5. I don't know. I think that's fair, right? I think so. Our sponsor this week, once again, is 2TD Designs, to the Dome Designs, founded in the Bay Area, located in the Bay Area, 
And they are not only a clothing brand, they are going to be more than a clothing brand. They're going to help you design your art and get it in the right place. Do you have a crazy idea, crazy thing you want to put onto clothing or put onto some item? Two of the Dome Designs can help you do that. And they also have cool stuff that they make that has the Two of the Dome Designs on it. I own a few of the pieces now myself. Reach out to the team at Two the Dome Designs. They are making art for degenerates like us. They are degenerates themselves. Smoke them if you got them. To the Dome. Hit them up on Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, or right at their website, two, that's the number two, td-designs.com, or at two, number two, td-designs on all those social media platforms. To the Dome Designs, get it while it's hot, baby. Peter, I heard we have some questions. We do, and uh, also for 20% off your order, use the promo code Effie is fine. Effie is fine, E-F-F-Y-I-S-F-I-N-E, Effie is fine, 20% off your order. Check it out, get in touch with the team. I know they're working on something special for Effie at To The Dome Design, so we'll see where it gets us. All right, we have a question. This is from Dylan. Effie, I need your advice. I spent the first 10 years of my adult life trying to chase my family's version of quote-unquote success, and while financially beneficial, it destroyed me mentally. A little over a year ago, I took a gamble and took a job running a shop selling beer-making supplies and fell in love with the craft. I don't make near as much as I used to, but I have an amazingly supportive spouse and an adorable dog, and I can pay my bills doing something I love. In the past year, I've gotten damn good at beer brewing and have a real shot to be a professional brewer. My problem is my family doesn't understand and doesn't respect my chosen career path. Don't get me wrong, I love them and they love drinking the fruits of my labor, but they don't see the future I have in this industry and make a point to tell me so. As someone who took a gamble on themselves, what is your advice on dealing with a family that wants something different for you than what you want for you? And what is your advice on chasing down that dream career? Thanks in advance, and thank you for all the joy your wrestling has brought me. Sincerely, Dylan. Dylan, thank you. And I hope I don't sound like an asshole in this one. Uh, and I'm going to try to flush it out. Flush it out? Flush it out? Flush it out? A little bit here? Either is fine. Um, I, you're the only one who has to go to bed in your body at night. You're the only one who has to live your life. You're the only one who has to enjoy it. And I think sometimes mentally we hold these people who are close to us like family members in our heads in a more constant state than the objective actual interactions that we have with them. So I think number one, you're going to have to start to sort of while they are dismissive and in this way, not dismiss all of them, but in these moments, put a little objectivity to how much their, uh, their opinion truly matters. They're just a person amongst people. If you look at it objectively and while they are close to you and while they have hopes for you and while they're probably scared of what the future holds or what your career may be, it's not their life and it's not their place to step in. And if they can't accept that, I think, you know, one thing I kind of had to put out and it sounds a little dickish in a way is sort of, I know I'm pretty cool. I have a lot of people who like what I do. I have a lot of people who like hanging out with me and like being around me. So if you're not one of them, then I think you're missing out. And sometimes having a little bit more of that attitude puts it into perspective because when we seek their adoration or we seek their confirmation on things, we're giving a lot more power to it. And they're going to continue thinking there may be a chance things could change because they'll listen to you. But when we are sort of dismissive of their ideas and set a precedent where they're not uh, the first and foremost on it and go, well, I'm sorry you feel that way, but I'm going to continue. It, it takes the power away from their words. And what you'll typically find over time is that 
They'll stop even pushing with it when they feel like they don't have the power anymore or that it doesn't matter what they say. Even if they may feel it, they can keep it to themselves because it's frankly rude to point out how to live uh, your life when you're not that person. And I don't want it to be a mad thing. I think a lot of good can come from this, but there's no reason to spend your time uh, trying to explain to them or trying to give them a new angle or trying to make them see or understand what it is that you want because they may not understand it. And uh, for them and for a lot of people that came before us, the safety net is bigger than the risk. But in a time where I just read that the earth is heating up at a rapid pace, more rapid than we thought, Maybe take the risk. Maybe who knows what the future holds and maybe stop clinging to safety and uh, we'll all have more fun. I think down the line, we're going to find a better day to uh, enjoy ourselves. But for now, for now, as things get weird in the world, just uh, just trust your gut and do what you want to do, Dylan. Beautiful. Hell yeah. I'm going to go take a nap, Peter. <laughs>